Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. We're here. We did it. It We're is back another week. Another week live. It is rule of two. And boy, do we have stuff to talk about because we have some people out there that, uh, well, Benny Offenweiss. They yeah. did, you might have heard of a little show called Game gonna, of Thrones. I'm going to jump in. Sorry. Do I'm, it. Sorry. I'm going to jump in with some housekeeping. Oh, all right. Yeah. I like little, it. I like little, it when you jump in. Yeah. A little housekeeping. Okay. So um, I am going on an away mission. Mm-hmm. Um, you sure are. Next Monday. Okay. Okay. So that means that, that I won't be on Rule of Two for two weeks. For two weeks, man? Come on. Two right, weeks. Um, but I am going to try to find some fellow um, Sith uh, marauders Good. to come in and fill in some inquisitors, some inquisitors, um, some you know some other folks that are like deep into Star Wars, like we are, mm-hmm. that aren't afraid to take a little, um, you know, take a little bit of a stroll down the dark side. I like it. You know, this, the dark side of the force is a pathway to many abilities. You Some know? might consider unnatural. N- natural, yeah. So, I love that line. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> get ready for that. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to have a new voice in here. Yeah. Two weeks. So I just wanted to let everybody know that. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Well, we have the episode army here, the episode three army I'm seeing. We are yep. going live. It is Mondays now. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Rula 2 has moved to Mondays. We're doing this thing live. For now, yeah. For now, we're doing it. Uh, I like everybody showing up here. If you want to drop some questions in there, uh, the live chat, we will be monitoring it. But we will be talking. We will be talking about Star Wars, of course. But uh, the big news, really, that we wanted to discuss is this idea if uh, Benioff and Weiss are, in fact, a good choice yeah. and a good fit for Star Wars. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I don't know. You want to just get right into it? Um, Do you have more that you want to say? Because news out there in the Star Wars world, let me get your take on this. I'll, I'll give a little news. Yeah. John Williams has is, is composed 25 minutes of Rise of Skywalker. Oh, okay. And he said that he likes it. He said he's seen a rough cut, and then he likes it. John Williams. But John Williams is doing the whole the whole score. Doing the whole score. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he's getting – he's starting to – I bet he's spotting. I bet they're doing a lot of spotting God, it's so sessions. Late into, it just feels like it's so late into the game for him to only get 25 minutes in. Well, that's why I'm saying he's, he's doing spotting sessions right now. He's probably sitting with JJ going, OK, we're going to put music here. We're going to put music there. Maybe a little here. Maybe a little Ray's theme here. A little Leia's theme here. That's what I think's happening. I'm yeah. not worried. That's one thing that I've always said is my favorite thing about Last Jedi. It is like I absolutely loved 
the score of Last Jedi. One of the best Star Wars scores, I would say. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad yeah. you liked it. Yeah. But that's pretty much the news out there. But, you know, everybody's talking about Benioff and Weiss. And, you know, we've heard mixed things out there about Ryan Johnson's trilogy, supposed trilogy. So we got a packed episode that we can get into. Let's you want to do it? Let's do it. Hey, here we go then. It's Rula 2. And it's episode 40. Rise. That's right. You heard it there. It's episode 40, Rula 2, coming into you live right now on Collider Video and on, if you're getting it at home later, on Podcast One's Jedi Council feed. Thanks for joining us. As always, I'm Mark Yodi Riley, or sometimes known as Darth Rylus. And you over there is Mark Sidious. <laughs> The Grand Sith of them all. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm a little tired. My niece ran me ragged, but, you know, that's what nieces do when you're uh, the coolest uncle in the world. Yeah. I um, <laughs> Look, I think that um, there's a lot to sort of unpack here, a lot of speculation to do because, mm. um, like, we're, we're entering this final lap, right, with Star Wars yeah. Episode Nine coming around the corner. Um, you know, JJ's back. Um, I've I've actually had some discussions with some folks that work over at Disney, mm-hmm. and there seems to be a very positive vibe around the Disney folks <clears throat> about JJ coming back and stuff like that. So I think that this movie is going to be great. Yeah, I really do. I um I have like really high hopes for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be you know I'm I'm hoping for like a like the like kind of like a Star Trek type of vibe that everybody was really kind of like the first Star Trek. The everybody first, was, you know, uh, the 2009 was, version. Yeah, uh, JJ's. Yeah, everybody yeah. was into it. Everybody mm-hmm. liked it. You know, I'm I'm hoping for a little bit of that. But last night we saw the bells, right? You know, episode of Game of Thrones, yeah. episode episode five, five. season eight, yeah, the, uh, the second to last ever yeah. for Game of Thrones. Caused a little bit of uh, divisiveness online, yeah. um, which shocked me. I, I'm not going to lie. Fernandez and I did appear on the upcoming uh, What the Throne with uh, Dennis and Ashley where yeah. we did share our thoughts on that episode. Rule the Throne. Rule the Throne? Oh, yeah. yeah that's what we were calling it because it was a little mashup episode. So yeah. you can check that out for our, our in-depth thoughts there as well as uh, you know the latest Collider Live where we did a lot of uh, deep dive on that as well. I was shocked. I loved this episode of Game of Thrones. Yeah. And my love for Benioff and Weiss is only going deeper. And you've seen the title here. Are they a right fit for Star Wars? My answer is absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, are, what is your take on this? Uh, because I've, I saw it start to travel. The, the divisiveness of Game of Thrones started to travel over into Star Wars saying, oh, great. You know, Lucasfilm is now, you know, they hired Ryan Johnson. They didn't like him. See, these are you know some of the thoughts I've seen out there, and now they're doing the same thing with Benioff and Weiss. I've seen a mix on Twitter. I see it here in the chat of people saying they're not a right fit and uh, no, and they're going to ruin it like Ryan Johnson. Or the other side of it is nope, they're perfect. Can't wait. So for me, it all comes down to like we talked about on the last show, and I'll and I'll echo that sentiment again today. Is that where's the source coming from? You know, mm-hmm. I um, I believe that that's a very very important factor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if given good source material um, or good direction on where to go with it, I think that they could do a really good job. But um, 
with Game of Thrones, they had the ultimate source material, which is this masterwork of of, of fantasy by George R. R. Martin. Right. And just the way that George R. R. Martin's brain works is like one in a billion. Um, similar to George Lucas, right? George sure. Lucas's source material is absolutely, uh, you know, astounding. I think that some of the legend stuff that Lucas put out there, the Old Republic, and a lot of these other things, are also fascinating. So I, I because one of the critiques that I've seen online, and I think it's fair critique, is when Dan and Dave have done their own thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you get uh, Wolverine Origins. You know, even though that has source material too, right? Uh, sure, you know, the comics, you know, right? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. comics. Um, and I'm not sure what else they've done. I've heard that they also did um, – didn't they also do – what else has Benny Offenweiss done? I'm forgetting it right now. They did uh, – if you do a quick IMDb on it. Uh, let me look. Yeah, I got it up here. Um, I know David Benioff. Uh, I was a very big fan of his writing career um, leading up. I know he did – you know, write some of the the stinky X Men Origins Wolverine, but um, I believe I'm trying to find it here. Uh, some of the stuff that he did, um, uh, which uh, Troy he did Troy, which was you know Troy is fine. Troy, what 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 the Wolfgang Peterson film? Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, I uh, love that movie. Stay. He's. It looks like he did uh, the Kite Runner. Um, I want to say he wrote a book that I was trying, and I'm trying to find it. That really got me, and I can't find it because we're live, and I want to keep this thing going rather than yeah, look yeah. here. And like, look, I'm like, I'm seeing some comments here in the chat, and thank you all for showing up uh, to the live chat. You know, we're gonna try to do this as much as possible, try to interact with you guys. So we're gonna be reading a lot of your comments from the chats. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a comment here that I've seen again and again is that Benioff and Weiss's writing decisions are being questioned ever since they strayed from the books. Okay, from the George R. R. Martin book. So today, a report came out. Um, I, I'm not sure if it came out today or if it's been out for a while, but today it became a thing where the guy who played uh, Barrister, uh, whatever his name is, the uh, the knight, mm-hmm. uh, the actor, uh, came out and said that um, that George R. R. Martin has actually finished books um, five and six. Mm-hmm. I believe it's five and six, or is it book six and seven? I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, we it's talked either five about or six or six or seven. Gotcha. Yeah. You got me. Yeah. Um, you guys drop it in if you know. Yeah. So so we don't know everything, even that, though we look like it. That the books have actually been finished, but that HBO and George R. R. Martin came up with a deal that said that he wouldn't release the books until the series ended. Mm-hmm. Right. Potential spoilers, which means to me that. George R. R. Martin actually has laid out the overall narrative trajectory of where A Song of Ice and Fire is headed, which I'm going to guess is going to be very similar to the overall big story points that the show took, i.e. spoiler warning if you haven't seen uh, the latest episode of Game of Thrones. You yeah. know, I hate to say this, but drop off now because yeah. we will be getting into spoilers of Game of Thrones episode five and season this whole season. But that um, they um, will follow the big beats, Danny, you know, um, becoming the dragon queen and yeah. the mad queen, the mad queen, you know, and all these things. So I don't know how much that argument is or how much it holds water for me anymore, given this latest report that they're straying from the material and having to come up with everything on their own. I think they actually have a pretty good scaffold that they got from George R. R. Martin. I'm with you 100%. I never bought 
that these guys would be able to be take over, uh, i.e., take ownership of characters created by George R. R. Martin, and then just do whatever they wanted to if HBO was writing the check. I, do, I didn't buy that for a second. I knew George R. R. Martin was very closely involved with the show. He's even talking about all the prequels that they have in development. He's yeah. follow George R. R. Martin. He's a he's a wealth of inside news from what's going on. On he these. loves to spill the beans. He loves to spill the beans. Not for a minute did I think, and and, and, and you know probably better than me in, in this business that we're in, is that when he creates Game of Thrones, the book, he owns those rights and the characters. And so he's then going to sell that to HBO to make something, correct? So they're going to have to – he has the final say on these characters. Now, if HBO said, listen, if you haven't finished these books, sign on the dotted line here that you're OK with us traveling outside of your books and your own story and we're going to finish these things the way we want, that's a whole other story. But I don't see that for one second. I think they have the map that George R. R. Martin gave them and that the characters were all going to do this, this, this by design from uh, George R. R. Martin and they've been following it and that we're going to get the books and you're going to be able to get inside the characters' heads for a lot more meaning, a lot more What's the word I'm looking for? You're going to understand a lot more of this story through the books because the books are always, mm. you know, a lot depending on what the book is, better than the movie or TV series in, in question. But I never bought that, and so therefore I look at uh, Benioff and Weiss as being still great filmmakers that are going to crush the Star Wars movie if they've been doing if if they do anything like they've done on Game of Thrones for eight seasons, people. They've been doing this and entertaining us. I can't wait for their Star Wars movie. Yeah, I um, I forget forget how forget how closely you're attached to the characters, to the books, to the whatever. Let's just look at last night's episode in a vacuum, okay? Let's now, do it. That's you, a great idea. You know, like let me let me see in the chat. We got 661 people watching right now. Better than we did last week, so thank you all for for uh, tuning in. Mm. And we're going to have a free flowing discussion, so let's just roll with it. But let me see, people, raise your hands out there. How many of you folks saw the episode last night? Just want, like I want to see if um, if there's some crossover here. Um, how many of you guys um, watching here? Just raise your hands. How many of you saw the episode last night? Let's see what we got here. Yeah, I I bet a lot of them then. Um, yeah, it's it, we do get the delay, so we'll we'll be able to we'll get, get you. That's okay. But but let's just look at cinematically speaking. This this episode last night was I thought incredible. Oh, this is beautiful. I thought it was incredible. I thought that there was incredible. Yep, everybody. Uh, good. You've all seen it. Right, saw cool. it. Saw it. Me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I did. I good. did. Don't Thank watch you. Game awesome. of Thrones. Okay. So we're all in the same convo. This is this is what's the beautiful part about doing this show live. Is that you know it's rule of two, but it's rule of two with the rule of two army. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's the army. It's us. We're talking about it. But um, this episode to me was one of my favorite episodes of the entire series. Same. Because like I, there was a moment where um, Tyrion is is looking at the bell, right? Like. Like in the entrance of King's oh, Landing. So good. And all he wants is for the bell to ring so that it you know, they, they declare that they've given up the city, 
that you come in and that you can take the throne without having to walk through a river of blood, right? That's what right. Tyrion wanted. Yeah. And there's such great – I mean this is like Sergei Eisenstein, Battleship Potemkin. This is like the Untouchables, Brian De Palma, mm. these great moments of tension, right? In yeah. Battleship Potemkin and in, uh, and in the Untouchables that – you know that, that The baby that, stroller going yeah. down the, yeah, the, the steps. The baby stroller scene, right? Ennio Morricone's great score. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm, I'm seeing that level of craftsmanship when you see Tyrion looking up at the bell. Look, wait, you know, no one's talking. No. All you hear is ring the bell, ring the bell, yeah. ring the bell. Ring the bell. Ring yep. the bell. Like just like the entire city pleading for their life. Yeah. And then you have Jon Snow with, with the Northern Army and the Unsullied and the Dothraki looking at the Lannister army because the Golden Company didn't do a damn thing. I mean like, – No. <laughs> no. They that got... kind of frustrated me a little bit. But the Golden Company didn't do anything. You yeah. know? And then you have Jon Snow looking at these people. They're not even looking. You know, They're not talking. No one talks. And you're communicating a lot. Yeah. And that, to me, is the beauty of, of, of what cinema can bring you, sight and sound. And they drop their swords. They give up. But Daenerys can't deal with it. And she goes off on her thing that she is the Mad Queen. Oh, yeah. You know, no one's there. No one loves her. They only fear her. So let it be fear. Yeah. And I think that all that stuff, to me, was very, very, very well constructed. And if Benioff and Weiss are the creative forces that are – Pushing all of these, you know, thousand points of light towards this one singular focus of telling a story in that sophisticated a manner. Mm-hmm. Then you know what? I'm all in on these guys. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I mean, just I, I love this idea of looking at it in, in a vacuum. Um, so as you put, yeah, um, because it's 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 entitled the bells. And just for the the symbolism of that, we talked a little bit on on what the throne, you know. The bells of uh, of death, the death bell, like this, yeah, the bell the, tolls. When the bell, the bell tolls, when the bell tolls, yeah. you know. And and I know, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, well, Benioff and Weiss didn't direct that episode. Miguel Sap- Sapchnik uh, directed. I think they, I think they wrote it though. Um, they, they did write, write it? it. Yes, yeah, 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 they yeah, did yeah. write it. Yeah. So, and I don't think Benioff and Weiss are going to be directing these Star Wars movies. Yeah, I think they're going to you don't write think them. So, huh? Nope. I think they're going to write them, and I think they're going to produce them. I think Ryan Johnson might be directing them. Well, that's that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. but but Ryan Johnson is also t- reportedly writing his own trilogy and might only direct one of them. And then we've heard from your 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 own boy. We said this last week. We've heard that uh, they're working together to plan out the next. 10 years of Star Wars and somehow connect their trilogies together, whether that's shared universe a la Marvel, whether that's themes that could travel across galaxies and eons and time and who knows. But the biggest – my favorite comment through this thread Mm -hmm. was how can you judge these guys when you haven't even seen the movie, when you haven't seen the Star Wars movie that they're doing? If they come out – with their Star Wars movie, they write it. Let's say they direct it, but that's not fair necessarily. You can you can you can have, judge their work. You can judge their work. Absolutely, yeah. I totally understand that. But how do we not know? I, I but I still stand by that statement because they like how many directors writers have stinkers, 
You know, I mean, it happens all the time. It happens all the time. There's very few that that don't have a stinker, right? I mean, even I don't don't uh, love um, um, the uh, Jackie Brown movie. Everybody, everybody and that's loves one of my favorites. That's one of your favorites. Yeah, and I mean, Steven Spielberg made 1941. After Close Encounters of the Third yeah, Kind. With, with Belushi. That's a friggin' classic. With but, Belushi. But he also made The Terminal, which I think is like um, like my a full-on abomination. My yeah. point illustrated yeah, 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 yeah. is everybody, the greats, have all had some kind of – not stinker, but some kind of movie that didn't land like their other movie and people get second chances. And I'm right. not even saying these guys I, – I, I will say this. It boggles my mind. I, don't, I do not get how that – the thing that is really frustrating to me personally is the vitriol going at Benny F. and Weiss off of last night's episode calling them bad writers. I thought last it, night's episode was excellent. I know. I mean like, yeah, it, there, there's stuff in there that's frustrating. Sure. But that's kind of – you know, and, and like I tweeted this. To me, it felt like the most George R. R. Martin episode this entire yeah. season. Yeah, especially Danny's turn for me. Yeah. That felt straight up. George R. R. Martin, because this this thing, and I and I said it on there, it's like, when can we ever call exactly what's going to happen? I, like, I, I'm not a big Game of Thrones read uh, book sweaty. I'm going to remedy that. I would like to read the books after the season um, concludes, but I just I, I just don't understand how you could take that, and especially last night's episode. Not not only the writing, which I was I think top notch. Some of the best writing I've, I've seen in in the whole series, the Tyrion and Jamie scene was the standout the John for me. John Snow and Daenerys scene. John, John Snow and Daenerys scene. Um, I even loved Cersei and Jamie's scene. Um, just the 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 idea, the pacing of it. The then you get to the cinematography, the tension. The tension you brought up the bells and them waiting, and you hear one voice ring the bell, ring the bell. Yeah. Just everything seemed to click for me. So I don't understand then. Calling that bad writing or this is shit or whatever you want to say it is because it's – do you know how hard it is to write these episodes? Do you yeah. know how hard it is to make these things, to give you eight seasons of love and, and it, that you, you are loving all these episodes last season maybe and, and maybe this one came up short for you. That's your prerogative if it didn't work. But I, for – to call it a bad writing, I mean, I personally, yeah. maybe it's because I'm a, I, I identify more as a writer. Where I go, if that's what they're calling bad writing, then yeah. I must look like a shithead. I think that they're maybe calling it bad writing in context with other episodes, in context with the overall arc. Of course they are. I get you know, that. Yeah, and, and but like it's me, knee jerk. It's this like, oh, I have to attack them on Twitter. Yeah. that drives me bonkers. But look. Let me go to a positive. Let me go to a positive. Um, one thing that I really liked about last night's episode that gives me hope that these guys are going to do a really good job with Star Wars mm -hmm. is how Benioff and Weiss handle special effects integration. Maybe not where you thought I was going in. Going yeah, because I, I, I have another one. Yeah, and save it because I want to yeah. talk about it. But the way that they handle – um, the the special effects integration I thought last night was done so incredibly well because we all know that this is shot in um, in Croatia and somewhere yeah. in the you know like like in that area I'm not sure exactly what I don't exactly landed, know either but yeah. somewhere around there um, there's a shot that you get of the Golden Company mm -hmm. okay and uh, you get the Golden Company and you get their sort of general and it's a shot where you see 
enough to make you understand, oh, okay, there's a bunch of soldiers. And then, and then it, it cuts back to the entire thing where you see all of the soldiers and you see all the scorpions. And it's just like they integrate this like practical thing with the CGI enhanced scenes right. so incredibly well. The way that the Red Keep is obviously a CGI model is so well integrated and like they take such detail in giving you the macro and the micro, the yeah. macro and the micro. They have a really good understanding of how special effects affects storytelling. Yeah. I think a much better understanding of how special effects affects storytelling than, let's say, Ryan Johnson. And I know you love The Last Jedi, but sure. to me, there was a lot of um, like, like uninteresting use of special effects in The Last Jedi. That, what the fuck was no. that? <laughs> well, the table is going again. Oh, God. This Sorry is what the table that. does. Yeah. yeah, the table almost went. Yeah, the table. That would have been great. <laughs> that would have been We're live. We're live. We lost We're the table. We're doing it live. Fuck it. Can we finally get that round table I've been asking for for the Riley round table? Because this yeah. thing is a piece of shit. Um, but I, I – go back to your point because yeah. I'm, I'm with you on this because they have a great no, – no, you know, some, some people are going to say good CGI equals great movie, LOL. Let, let's, let's, let's take a step back, guys, OK? And we got almost 800 people here in the chat, so we got a really lively discussion. Yeah. Um, let's not forget that the legacy of Star Wars is built around how – these special effects that ILM architected were instrumental in telling this story. They're instrumental in telling the story. So if you're going hit it on the nose, right if there. you're going into Star Wars as a filmmaker and you don't understand how important the special effects are in Star Wars, then it's like eating the Big Mac without that little bread in the middle, okay? <laughs> or without, you know, without the special sauce. You're right. missing, you know, with those little tiny little diced onions. It is a mechanic that's instrumental yes. in telling the story of Star Wars. I love that you're, you're bringing that. That's absolutely right because we can't go down the street and cast a Rodian. You know, because they don't exist. Right. So we have to use and sometimes rely on special effects. Now, the way you use it is, I think, what people are, are yeah. referencing here. And like George Lucas had a language, right? Like you get to a planet, you see the planet, you see the ship rolling in, yep. you see the wide shot of 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 the um, you know the the planet's surface, the city. Is it a swamp? Is it a this? There's a language of how he uses the special effects to show you and contextualize the environment and the world, and it's an incredibly important part of the storytelling. So good CGI does equal good movie if it's done correctly yeah. in service of the story. Um, but man, like Game of Thrones does such an amazing job from the first episode till last night of integrating special effects, both practical and CGI, mm -hmm. into creating this world that we're all convinced is real. Yeah. I mean, we're all convinced it's real. I, I, I totally agree. Um, you want to know what makes me happy for Benioff and Weiss doing a Star Wars? Talk to me. Talk and there to was me. a scene last night that I felt that I. That's why, again, I'm shocked that some people are like, oh, I don't want them because there was something that I, I that happened in that episode where I'm like, this is straight. This is straight out of Star Wars. And really, it's like almost like their audition piece, like going, okay. hey, everyone. Clegane. What's that? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. The Mountain and yeah, the yeah, Hound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Clegane Bowl. Yep. That. Come 
on. Yeah. Can you imagine two, a Jedi and a Sith, coming face to face with the stakes that important, with the world burning around them? And, and not feel Look at something. Hints, hints of the Revenge of the Sith. It was very. I was exactly where I was going. Yeah. Hints of Revenge of the Sith. Even I mean the mask. This like the mountain just coming down there and being this god awful looking creature thing. You know, taking the mask off. It was. It felt like a little wink from Benioff and Weiss and, and the director as well. Going, we can do some Star Wars. Yeah. You know, and I loved it. I loved every second of that fight. Including the climax of it, and where the hound basically went, this is the only way. Look, uh, yeah, yeah, fire again, right? Like fire another, again, like another Revenge of the Sith thing. Yeah. Um, I hold on. Let, let, let's look here. Um, let's take some questions, and I want to take questions from all the detractors. We got a couple of people here in the chat mm-hmm. that are that are saying that you know some some rather. Um, uh, what's the word? Um, harsh, harsh things about us, which is fine. I mean, this is what. It's all about, right? We're here to have a discussion, constructive criticism. Again, we're the loyal opposition. We all want the same thing, I hope, mm-hmm. or else you wouldn't be in this chat, which is a good Star Wars movie. We all, yeah, we want, we, we want, I just want, I, I just want to enjoy myself in the theaters. And if it's Star Wars, even better. And I can't wait for this. But so, what are you, who are some of the people that you're looking at that you would like to really hear them? Now, yeah. there, there's harsh, there's trolling. There's being disrespectful. There's yes. all that. So let's, yeah. let's we keep it fair. We don't have a ton of trolls in here. We don't have a ton of trolls, which is good. Another happy landing. We don't have there a, ton, a, a ton of trolls. <laughs> Blue um, ice cream. Mm, Big Mac. I um, love it. Let's see. Why don't you pick a question? Why don't you pick a question? But you know what? Just, just to sum up our little rant there, mm-hmm. I think Benioff and Weiss are very good choices for Star Wars. It's not my top choice. It's not your top choice. No. I have a new top choice. Okay. I have a new top choice. If I could pick anybody, and I actually want to go back to that point that you said that you don't believe Benioff and Weiss are directing the movies, mm. and I want to ask you who you think will direct the movies. Yeah. That's... I think it might be Ryan Johnson, even though I don't necessarily want it to be Ryan Johnson. I think it is Ryan Johnson. You and know I what? Think... I don't want Ryan Johnson to direct Benioff and Weiss's stuff. I, I, think, I think if you want if you want to get me excited, really, bring the director from last night. Call him up to the big leagues. I thought it, you know, we've seen this with Neil Marshall. We've seen this with certain directors, like, you know, um, uh, uh, I know who is it? Uh, oh, I can't. It's that went movie? right out of my my. I know I can't even pull it. So, <laughs> so I'm moving on. Hey guys, in the chat, ask me some questions. I will grab them. We can get there. Um, but I do see inconsistent character actions arcs, or why people are saying it's bad writing. More uh, correct term is probably rushed. This is something we This is actually up. a very good point. It's a great point. It's a great point. And thank you for that, uh, Michael Lee. Yeah, because, Michael Lee brings up a great point. You know, we, we hypothesized this is that we wondered if this season of Game of Thrones was 10 episodes and still about the mm. same length, that they were lo- some longer than others, some shorter than others, but we get 10. You can, uh, you can allow the exposition to, to unfold in a more natural right. way. And I don't have an answer as to why Game of Thrones, the last season, decided that it was only six episodes. The last episodes. two seasons, right? Was it? Yeah, the last two. The, the one before was seven, I believe. You're right. I think it is. Let me look. I'm here yeah, yeah, on, yeah. The, on the page seven, now. Seven. And you're right, by the way. Somebody jumped in six and seven books. Six to seven. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's what's interesting to me is is um, the idea that, you know, 
if you had more episodes, maybe you had more time to breathe with the characters. Maybe you would have understood Danny's motivation a little bit more, seen it coming, tracked it a little bit. For me, I, I liked it because it surprised me and I like being surprised when I'm watching movies and television. I like to have my you know, expectations subverted and I know that's a, a saying that a lot of people don't like, especially when it comes to The Last Jedi because that's – Partly the reason I love it so much is I uh, like, wow, this is like a Star Wars movie I haven't seen before. Mm. Um, and then if we get to – I want to get to uh, season seven was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You're right. Yeah, seven episodes. So when you have more episodes, you can have a little bit more time. Movie is – a movie is a whole different beast. You know, you have two hours. Yeah, you have so many characters in in Game of Thrones that like you need to like give you them their that. moment mm-hmm. and – and like I get it, like it is, it is, uh, it is rushed. It does feel rushed to me, and, and like I'm going to agree with that. Um, I don't know if that is a direct reflection on whether or not these guys are good showrunners, executive producers, talented, whatever. Right. Um, because look, at the end of the day, uh, in a movie, you only have two hours. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so you, you know, it's and, and this is this epic tale. Um, but um, I, I want to go back to the director topic because I. I also agree with you that I don't think they're going to be directing it either. Yeah. So it begs the question: Who will be directing it? Right. That's a good. That's a good conversation. Let's go down that yeah. road. So, um, so I want, and I want to see it in the chat. If you have, and this could be Ryan Johnson's trilogy, if it's happening still, um, it could be Benioff and Weiss's trilogy. It could be just who you would want to see do a Star Wars movie. Yeah. Throw yeah. it out there. And uh, and keep ask, uh, asking some questions. Steven Spielberg trilogy, my God, I'd love it. I, I'd, I'd love that too. I, I mean, think it'd but, be great. I think but it'd I think be great. it's not my number one choice. It's not my number one choice anymore either. I think Spielberg is past the time for his Star Wars. Yeah. I think him, he would only do it. I think if he was working in tandem with Lucas, you know, like him and Lucas, like really, really in there. Um, okay, so my number one pick right now, and this is not Prisoner of the Moment. This is just how good this friggin' movie was. And I would say even better, for me, a better choice than Dennis, you know, Villeneuve. James Cameron, that's another level. And mm-hmm. like James Cameron, you know, I I get that somebody just put that up there. Mm-hmm. For I me, Russo Bros, yeah, this, I think this one's better. Chad Stileski. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Matt, you guys out there in the Bulletude land – Man, you guys are in for a treat with this John Wick 3 movie. Yeah, <clears throat> that's what I hear. Uh, Riley hasn't seen it, so I'm not going to give any spoilers or anything like that because obviously the movie's not even out yet. I saw it. It is absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. It is incredible. It is one of the best blends of sort of like art and action that I've ever seen. It's on the level of Mad Max Fury Road, in my opinion, to wow. be able to combine those kinds of things. Yeah. It is absolutely incredible. And this Chad Stahelski uh, – I think I'm saying his name wrong. I think it's Stahelski. Chad Stahelski. Probably. I, I don't know, but I, I know who you're talking about. The director of John Wick 2 and 3. Yeah, and um, 1. And, and, one. and one I think he co-directed no, no, with no. – uh, Which I – because like this – dude, I was so into this movie that I had to go back and watch oh, okay, the other two. Oh, OK. Great. You know. Yeah. So, so I mean I, of course I've seen the other two before, but I had to go back and watch them again just to see like what – you know, like Jesus, like is this really that much better? And he directed the first one by – I mean he gets solo credit in the, in the, in the you know, version that I have. So mm-hmm. he directed all three. 
This third one is by far the best one, yeah. uh, in my opinion. And um, that's what I want in a Star Wars movie. I want that sort of Greek odyssey, that hero's journey, right, blended with the incredible action yep. that's made possible by special effects, fight choreographs, uh, got choreography, <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. So he's my number one choice. Who's your number one choice? My number one choice is, has been this choice for a very long time now, and it is Denis Villeneuve. Okay. A lot of folks in the chat agree with you. Uh, oh, is that great? Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, Let yeah. me go up to the chat again because I'm going to pull some of these. Uh, oh, here we are. Christopher Nolan is a great one. Um, Denis Villeneuve. Martin Scorsese. Don't Nobody likes time. my choice because no one's seen John Wick 3. Right. If you guys – once you see John Wick 3, and I am so sad that I won't be here for, the, for that episode, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. This guy is special. And it's interesting to think about a director directing a Star Wars movie. And for me, there needs to be some boxes that are checked. And one of them that, that continues to pop into my mind, and we thought it was going to happen, but he is already in the Star Wars universe. So I don't know if, if that's going to rule him out. Or, but I think the, 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 you know, if he wants it, it's his. John Favreau. And I look to the original Iron Man well, as the reason. But he's going to get the uh, – he has – He has the Mandalorian. He's got the Mandalorian. So, right. But so, can he do an actual movie? I don't think they'd give him – maybe they would. Maybe I'm totally oh, wrong. Oh, I think I, – yeah. Because he's doing Lion King, right? He's working on the Lion King. So he's yeah. already at Disney. Yeah. I just look at Iron Man, the original movie, um, because there are certain things in, in Star Wars that I like, that I want in my Star Wars. Great action, a great story, great characters, humor. You know, great special effects that we've talked about. And I think he checked those boxes with Iron Man because he gave us something that was, you know, a, a heroic journey, a, a really good character arc for Tony Stark. So is that your number one choice? No, Favre? no, no. No, Denis Villeneuve. Is. OK, Denis Villeneuve. Yeah, but, okay. but Favreau keeps jumping in my mind. Okay. All right, so I'm going to give you my number two. We're going to go back and forth. OK. Right, right here, OK? All right. Chad Stileski is my number one. OK. I'm sticking to it. Like out of everybody, Chad Stileski is number one. My number two choice. Okay. To direct Star Wars. If I could pick anybody right now, mm -hmm. Matthew Vaughn. That's a good one. Matthew Vaughn. I mean, he's stuck in this whole Kingsman like thing and it's, he's kind of like James Cameron with Avatar. Yeah. But this is such a talented guy and he's like obsessed with the Kingsman. I know not a lot of people loved Kingsman 2. I thought it was absolutely great. But I love – again, you take those three things that you need to know how to do. Create story, create journey, create a hero's story, be able to like understand that part of it. Understand the the fighting action elements that are so important. That's the one thing that I don't think Ryan Johnson, in my opinion, I hate to keep bashing on The Last Jedi. I just don't think Ryan Johnson understands action on that level. I don't think even J.J. Abrams understands action on that level. I, I agree. I somewhat agree with you. I mean, but I understand what you're saying. There are different directors yeah. that have different styles. We're, and we're, you're talking Vaughn who has He's got a, style coming he's out got of his a, ears. Yes, he does. So that I you know? I love that and, pick. And the Russo brothers, you know, who people keep mentioning also, the Russo brothers I think are are a very very good choice. But let's not forget who was the fight choreographer? God, I always say that wrong. Choreographer. Chore choreographer. Yeah. Who was the fight choreographer for Civil War and Winter Soldier? And Winter Soldier. Yeah. Who was it? Stahelski and um, and uh, 
The other one. Yeah, well, you know, I the other remember. dude. The other dude. Who, My brain did, is mush today. A, yeah. But the point is, is this Chad Stahelski guy gave a little bit of that flavor that we love in Civil War, that we love in, in Winter Soldier to those franchises by making such incredible action stuff. Matthew Vaughn, my second pick. Your second pick is um, is uh, Favreau. Nope, I just brought it up because I liked. Uh, I wanted to get to the certain boxes. Okay, and Favreau was there to just seem to because I could point to Iron Man, Alfonso Cuarón. Mm, yeah, but now you're getting into some fucking real deep shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Alfonso Cuarón is my second pick, and I'll tell you why. Okay, Gravity, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. It's, it's my favorite Harry Potter. Yep, mine too. Roma. Yeah. Um, uh, um, uh, Children of Men. Uh, th- this, these, these are movies that I could see pieces mm. fitting into a larger narrative and a larger universe, and really hitting yeah. something special. Do you think he would ever touch something like that? I think he would, based off Harry Potter. Yeah, I think he would do it. I, 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 I don't know if they would ever reach out. Um, I don't know if it's ever on his radar. I know that we've heard sourcing. Sources have said Guillermo del Toro was chased out of the building because he was going to – he wanted to do a Star Wars movie and creative differences stopped that. And I think that had more to do with maybe Solo and, and the lack of performance there because we heard it was a standalone spinoff, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so – I just love Alfonso Cuaron so much. His work just uh, speaks to me in a way that is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, that's a that's a tough pick to argue against because his 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 films are so friggin' good. They really uh, are. There's you know, something deeper there, and he can yeah. play with special effects. And again, the perfect template is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. That that guy came in, and he added he injected a little bit of darkness in there to kind of. Mirror what's going on with the kids and then the story. The kids are starting to go. They're getting older. They're starting to hit some puberty. And, you know, yeah. they, and like Voldemort is, is you know, this big presence. It's great. That's and there. The, uh, and, so, yeah. And for me, my third one, and we'll only do three. My okay. Three one. is good. All right. My third one, George Miller. I saw that just as you said it, that that passed. I think, uh, yeah, Missingo, Miss, Miss I-N-G-N-O yeah. at and, George and, Miller. And, and I'm with you. It's a good one. Because in – Again, those elements, the poetic narrative odyssey, <clears throat> the action, you know, the sp- combining it in a world that you need special effects to communicate. Mm-hmm. Like these are very three important skill sets that not a lot of directors have that on their resume. And I think all the three ones that I picked, you know, have it, you mm-hmm. know, like, like they're able to work within that world. Obviously, to me, there's also the Wachowskis. And I think the Wachowskis would, would would do a really good job with it. But the Wachowskis are so stylistic and so unique in their style that I don't think that they can give up some of that personal signature for the greater good. Mm-hmm. So I would probably err away from the Wachowskis because that that would worry me that they that they'd make it too Wachowski. Yeah. And before you know it. Like the Sith are like walking around in like, you know, leather yeah. and like <laughs> walking know. along the walls, you know, yeah, running yeah. across the wall <laughs> yeah, with yeah. their lightsaber. Yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> um uh what was my point? Um to that point, there I know that there are movies out there that have and defined George Miller, us. George Miller is very is getting up there in age. I think he can still direct. Oh it, yeah. But he, but but a lot of people are saying that he's way too old. 
Well, then the person that suggested John Carpenter, I would, uh, I would say he's a little old for that because there, there is a thing. You know, there is nostalgia that can kind of color our opinions there and John Carpenter and, – and, and I don't know your name and I know you, um, you, you listed uh, Big Trouble in Little China and, right. and maybe they live. That's, those are great – like if I could pluck you know, mm. Carpenter – Back in the 80s for a Star Wars movie, I think that's pretty fascinating. What? You know what? Somebody just brought up a director who I might – even though I loved Mad Max Fury Road so much and it was such a good movie. Mm-hmm. Somebody brought up a director here who I actually think I'm going to change my third pick. OK. Because I have my third. Uh, but maybe we'll – I don't know. Go for it. Catherine Bigelow. That was mine. Oh, that was yours? All right. So it's yours. <laughs> And I've, and I've said Catherine Bigelow before you have, and, you people, have, and people you laugh me out on of the, the record, building. On the record. Because she's, she's got all three things. She's got all three things. Yeah. You give me – you tell me that the woman that did Point Break. Yeah, incredible movie. Zero Dark Thirty. Incredible. The Hurt Locker. Even My Strange Days. Her, Strange Days, incredible. You can see – Detroit. Detroit. And I finally saw Detroit and I thought it was wonderful and I can't believe it didn't get more recognition when it yeah, came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, Amen. But – if you take a little bit of the fun and fancy-free filmmaking that we had in Point Break and you add a little bit of the stakes and the darkness of Zero Dark Thirty, give me that Star Wars film. And yeah. Lisa, I did see you there. Lisa, I really much appreciate you. Yes, we do need a female director to come in yeah. on this Star Wars And it's here. Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. Catherine because Bigelow. Catherine Bigelow transcends um, um, gender. Yeah. I think she transcends gender. Yeah, you know, like because it's not like she's gonna make like a film that's obviously X or Y. Um, she's just she is. Catherine Bigelow might be one of the best directors out there. Like, she's great. I mean, she she is incredible. And and Lisa, your other pick, I love Patty Jenkins as well. I think Patty Jenkins will be a great director for a Star Wars movie based on No Man's Land yeah. from Wonder Woman alone. That was yeah. one of my favorite scenes. Talk about utilizing. Not only special effects, but when you have a score, when you have a fantastic yeah. composer oh, to add to it, like in the in, Wonder Woman score is like my second favorite. R- to Rupert Gregson Williams yeah. comes in, or Williams, I should say, comes in and adds this beautiful music to Wonder Woman going down, going through no man's land and knocking bullets out of the way and taking Germans out. Come yeah. on, yeah, that's Catherine, a good pick look, too. I would pick Catherine Bigelow over Patty Jenkins. I would too. I would pick Chad Stileski over uh, Patty Jenkins. If you told me Chad Stileski and Catherine Bigelow, now that I really think about it, mm-hmm. it's a tough one. It's a tough one because I think the more, yeah. Catherine Bigelow would never allow a bad Star Wars movie to come out. Yeah. Where I think Chad Stileski would be so happy to direct a Star Wars movie that he could turn into a yes man. Uh-huh. Where, yeah. where I, what I think Catherine Bigelow would do – the old this one. The old one finger salute. <laughs> you yeah, know what you yeah. need to you do? You know what? Catherine Bigelow might be my top choice. No, you know what? She's not. Uh, Chad Stileski is my top choice because that's what I want to see. Yeah. But and that's what yeah. I would trust Bigelow more to to like not get you know seduced by the mediocre side. Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a question for clarification. Strategy King, who is in the uh, chat room, saying that Catholic. Uh, Oh, Kathleen, sorry. Uh, so she said, cement the death of Lucasfilm with a Bigelow hire. 
And I don't understand that. I wonder how and why you feel that way. So uh, please elaborate. Yeah, sure. Uh, fire, Catherine Bigelow. Surefire failure, says Strategy King. Please elaborate, because I'd of, like to know. Of Catherine Bigelow? Yeah. Oh man, I, I think you're. Uh, I think you're wrong about that. Yeah, I'd like. I'd like to hear you elaborate as to why. Yeah, I mean, especially Strange Days is such a good film. Strange Days again, and I go her, to I point mean, her break. Her locker might be the best. Like her locker won the top, Oscar. Won her an Oscar. Top five war films beat, ever made. And beat Avatar. Yeah. For best picture. And the Hurt Locker is fantastic. And, and I know um, when she came off of Hurt Locker and did Zero Dark Thirty, Zero, Zero Dark Thirty pulls me in every single time. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not seeing the chat move. So, Strategy King, if you do want to put it up there, uh, let me know because you you have the mic right now. Yeah, Strategy King. If it's a surefire failure. Step up. Put your uh, look, put your cards down. Let's look, see what you're all, holding. So first of all, before we get to Strategy King, if he ever wants to like talk again, we're happy to hear. We're, look, we want to have a discourse. Yeah. We got, we got 837 people uh, talking right now. We only yeah. have about 10 minutes left to the show. We got about 10 minutes left here. So um, let's, um, let's get some more questions in there. Yeah, and uh, I love seeing you guys. Uh, what big budget movie has Bigelow directed grossing over $500 million? Well, that's a different time, Strategy King. Um, point Break. Probably didn't make – I don't know what the lifetime gross was of that, but we're talking about movies with her, Zero Dark Thirty, Hurt Locker, uh, Detroit. Um, These are all a little bit more smaller scale movies, a little bit smaller budgets. And if you look at the grosses of those, Hurt Locker being a big movie uh, awards style movie, won the Oscar. I bet you it made a lot of money because, um, like, the, versus the budget. The thing about Catherine Bigelow and all her movies do very, very, very similar things, mm-hmm. which is that they all dissect the nature of something, right? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, a lot of people don't want to hear this because it's they're tough topics. But with with Detroit, it was the nature or the origin story of sorts of the resentment that black America has against white America and right. where it's possible that that originated um, post-slavery, right? Yeah. In Detroit with the way that the police force interacts with the black community, uh, with with how the cops treat people that are quote-unquote rioting. I mean you can understand – she's trying to give you an explanation of why there's cynicism around that, yeah, and it's not easy to it's not easy to swallow that stuff, okay? Right. You know, with 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 the hurt locker, she's trying to give you a sense of what's the nature of someone who loves war right. more than they love their family. Right. Look at that end scene with Renner when he it's is incredible t- trying to pick. Serious. Yeah, spoiler warning, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, guys. If you haven't seen The Hurt Locker, it's your own fault. But, but I mean, that's what it's about. And then with Point Break, it's the, it's the nature of, 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 of being a criminal to the point where you stop thinking that you're a criminal. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like how that mentality even works. And granted, it's a little bit more fantastic, that movie, and it's a little bit closer to Star Wars. But imagine her being able to tackle the nature of the dark side. It would be very interesting. I love, very interesting. I love that idea. Um, and, uh, you know, thanks you for the comment there, Strategy King. Um, we'll move on from you now. Um, <laughs> if you guys want to ask some more questions, uh, please give it up uh, there. Near Dark. That's another example. I forgot about Near Dark. Catherine Bigelow, have you seen Near Dark? Which one? No, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a vampire. 
Uh, it's it's I haven't seen it in years, but that's is a great pre, that's a is, great is pull. It pre point break. It's pre point break, I believe. Um, if you guys know, and I missed you, sorry. So I love you guys. The interaction here, Damien Cazell, That's interesting. Uh, the, like, maybe a, maybe a little bit of a romantic comedy in space. Yeah, uh, maybe like a movie about the cantina. The cantina. Yeah, a little La La a Land. Day, and, day bad. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so give us some questions here because we're about 10 minutes out from here. About about eight minutes, we're going to call it a day on this live version. It is episode 40, rule of two. We're thanking you guys for joining here. Um, I yeah. love that. So, uh, Guys, watch, go watch John Wick 3 um, if you want that Star Wars fix, that Big Mac fix that we haven't gotten in a little bit. Go check out go check out John Wick 3. Yeah, go check it out. I got a question for you go ahead. from here. Thank you, Kyle Gabrant. One of my boys, thank you for this question. I want this. Here's the thing that I saw earlier in the chat. It's like, who's right f- to direct this thing? If you go away from, you know, to your, to use your example, the Big Mac. Mm. But how much is can we go away from that? And can you play in genre in the Star Wars universe? So Kyle asked, do you want to see a horror type Star Wars movie? So can we do that in the Star Wars universe? So I there's there was one series of books. Um, I forget what they're called, but they were about like these zombie uh, stormtroopers. Yeah, I think it was Death Trooper or something. Or not Death, Death Trooper. Something like that. It I know what you're talking cover, about. Great cover. Yeah, there was like a hook in a yeah. stormtrooper mask. Yeah, yeah. That's I, – yeah, I didn't – I never read it, so I have no idea. My gut tells me that Star Wars can support genre. I don't know if I personally – I just want them to get Star Wars right. Yeah. Before they start exploring genre. I, I, I'm with you. See, here's the thing. I, I don't think you can make a horror movie and say like they're they're like they were gonna try to do with X Men with New Mutants, T B D on when that thing's gonna come out. Right. Because they came out and said it's gonna be a horror movie with the X Men, right? And I went, Yeah, sign me up. When you think about the history of X Men, there's already little bits of horror elements there. We're talking body horror here, right? There are mutants out there mm. that look a certain way that people could be afraid of. I think a Nightcrawler in X2, he was kind of ridiculed. He was kind of beat. He was, you know, the, he was used Empire against. Empire has elements of horror in it. Empire, and that's my point. Yeah. You can take elements in within the genre of Star Wars, which you could kind of say is its own genre itself. It's created a. Uh, a, a, a wonderful fan base, really, who is so passionate about it. So, I like the idea of horror elements in there. I mean, yeah, Empire had a lot of that. I mean, Luke in the cave fighting Vader, very horror. Um, I think of the Minox scene when they go out, and you know, it's like had some classic horror stuff. She sees something in the distance, and then the jump scare. They go out there, they're walking. Wait a right, minute, right, right, right. Boom, shoots, and then they're in there. Yeah, um, but. Uh, Fallen Sun, Vader's story between Episode 3 and 4, him hunting down Jedi, R-rated horror story. Well, you tell me that. I want to see that. That's, <laughs> right. So I, I think you can play with genre tropes within the movie, but there are certain elements that you expect from a Star Wars movie. So I think – I don't think we'll ever see – and to your point, Fernandez, I think you're right. Let's get their – what they're going for. Yeah. Let's stabilize it a little bit. Stabilize it. I agree with that. Like, like not so much from a business perspective because you always bring this up and you're always right to bring this up. Mm. Is that Star Wars with Force Awakens and the Last Jedi, Rogue One, then Solo? They've been for the most part successful. Yeah. Very, actually, extremely successful. Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, Endgame just knocked 
um, Force Awakens off of its perch as number two. two. Yeah. Right? But Force Awakens has a hefty lead domestic. Can you believe it? Almost Force Awakens almost made a billion domestic. It's in the 900 it, and so something. So it hasn't knocked it off second place. Second place all time worldwide. But yes. not domestic. Not domestic. It's third domestic endgame. I think so. I'd have to bring, okay. bring up the thing. Yeah. Anyway, there's been a, a lot of financial success with Star Wars. Let's not get it twisted because it's a fact. Yeah. Um, there's been a little bit of divisiveness in the fan base. But I also think that there's also a little bit to be said about the fact that there's divisiveness in the fan base because you're talking about a fan base that spans three generations. Right. Right. It's really – It's three different modes of thinking about the universe and the world and, and such morals. such a great point. You know, and it's like I'm – look, I'm an old man, okay? <laughs> I'm – you know, look, I'm, I'm just going to say it. It's embarrassing, but I'm 43 years old, mm. okay? My nephew who I held in my arms like a tiny little baby when he was a fresh-born little baby, mm-hmm. okay, is 22 years old now. Jack Hind, who's our, our, our head of brand partnerships, yeah. is 23 years old. Yeah. Dorian Parks is 24 years old, even though he tells people he's 38. <laughs> and he might be 38, but I, in his thing it says he's 24 or 23, whatever it is. There's a, there's a, there's a huge gap yeah. between me and them. The, right. And then there's the, uh, like the next generation, right? Cause forget the millennials because you know, they're in there too. Yeah. And those are the ones that like tend to hate the prequels. Or actually, I'm not sure if that's true. Actually, my generation is the one that hates the prequels, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like whatever. But the point is, is that you're trying to coalesce generations to have the same opinions. It's not an easy thing to do. It, it's not an easy thing to do. And 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 listen, we're in a time right now where everybody has a Twitter account, and if you don't like something, you can go out there and say you don't like it. And there there is a d- divisions. Within these fandoms, within the Marvels, within the Game of Thrones now, within the DCs, within Star Wars, it's going to happen. I never have a problem with people not liking certain movies within these different fandoms. I always have a problem with, you know, stop trolling, bro. Just talk to me like a human. You're going to go <laughs> right. talk to your mother You call like them that? out. You call them out. I love that about you. I will call them out every <laughs> single time. I don't like it because I like to be treated with respect because I'm going to try to do the same thing with you. Um so I but I totally agree with that. So you can look that they're on uneven ground right now with their Star Wars movies because right. of the so, Last Jedi. Even though I love the Last Jedi, I can I can acknowledge some of its um failures to be quite honest, but yeah. I can also acknowledge that there are a lot of people that didn't like it. There's people that absolutely love it. And there are people that absolutely love it. So yeah. I Which can acknowledge all that. A little bit. What's that? It kind of boggles my mind a little boggles bit. Boggles your mind? Well, anyway, hey. but hey, people are boggled that I love Revenge of the Sith so much. Yeah, um, but yeah, we're not doing a dumb and dumber in Star Wars there. I, I'm with you there, <laughs> yeah. Andy. Um, but I think that it, it, it's just going to happen that you're, you're going to have – divisiveness within these big fandoms now because I think that, one, the movie industry has put us in that direction. You know, blockbusters are what sell tickets nowadays. Um, you know, look at Disney eating up Fox and cutting their output down to half. Half. Which sucks. Do you think – actually, this is a total non sequitur, but do you think we'll get the bum ba da bum ba 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 bum ba da bum ba 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 I don't think so. I don't, I don't think D- Disney is that generous. Oh, God. I'd love to see it again. I would love to see it too, but I don't think Disney – I think Disney – it's Disney. They're like, 
We're not going to look down our nose at the Fox logo anymore. I mean, it makes no sense that they would do that. It would make no sense that they would do that. It would be because weird. They only, because they only show Lucasfilm now. They don't show even Disney. It, it would be a it's weird, all, jarring only, thing. Yeah, it's only Lucasfilm now. Yeah, unless they do a little nostalgia day. But, and, man, every time I see that Fox opening, it doesn't matter what movie it's in front of. Oh, like, God. Oh. Dude, like during the prequels, when they came out in theaters, we'd go – we'd lose our mind. We'd go ape shit over that. Um but anyway, what was my point? I'm trying to make a point here as we wrap this up because you know I think there's always going to be divisiveness. I, but to your point, I agree. I think we need to get ourselves on a little bit of level ground before here before the genre before the genre shifts. Yeah, because my genre that I want is I just want a good Star Wars movie. I really do. I want. Listen, I am so excited for for the Rise of Skywalker. I cannot wait for this movie. Me too, man. And after that. When those credits roll, I'm going to be pretty bummed. Because I also we're can't have wait for that video game, and we're going to be the doing video game Vader Immortal. I want to check out. Yeah, we're going to be doing a review of um, Vader Immortal. The second we get our hands on it, we're going to do a, a, um, a review of Vader Immortal. Yep. We're going to do a review of Fallen Order. Yep. We're gonna we're gonna try to get our asses over to Disney and check out Galaxy's Edge for you guys. Yep. I'm pulling strings, guys. I'm pulling strings. Help us out on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, tag uh, at Riley around, at Mark Fernandez, at Disney, at Lucasfilm. Send these guys to um, to Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. You know? like, like, yeah Collider's covering it, but they didn't invite us. They invited other people from Collider, which is great, and I, well, and I, I appreciate that. I but. could have gone, but I, I was told. Oh, I actually was going to send you, you. You recommended me, but it's like there are the website writers that are – going to do a better job with that article than me. You know what I'm right, saying? Right, right, right. Even so, though I think you're a great writer, well, so thank don't you, sell yourself but short. It's a, it's a little bit of a, of, of a more of a process because they were really covering this thing, but they're only doing previews. So right. we want to see – give us it all. I want to see yeah. you know. Give us everything you got. But yeah, I think just in general, after the rise of Skywalker, no matter how it lands, and if it lands like a turd you know, with some of these fans. And, I and, don't and think it will. I don't think it will either, but I'm just, I'm just saying I've never gone the negative side of things. I'm always looking on the bright side of things. But if it does not do well, if it yeah. does hit a, a, a nerve like The Last Jedi did, they're going to have to really work even oh, harder. God, be a but get on some level ground here. Plan your 10 years of Star Wars so that we can be excited again when it's announced. And we don't know. We've always been speculating that it's Old Republic type stuff for yeah. Benioff and Wise. But what if it comes out and it's, and it's just Look, set years after The Rise of Skywalker? Look, and I feel a little bit like Star Wars is analogous to King's Landing, in it, like like in a way. Mm, I okay? like that. Like we started out with this amazing uh, vision of the future of Lucasfilm after the Disney acquisition, where it was all about a, a Star Wars movie every year. Mm -hmm. Okay, we've gone through this this patch that's given us financial success for Lucasfilm and Disney. But some critical, you know, like Last Jedi and Solo, and Solo didn't do as well. And I mean, let's I, be fair. I know I saw you in the chat. Yes, Solo did not do well. That's why we're here. Yeah, that's why we're here. And and I feel like <laughs> we're in a little bit in the ashes of all of that. And us Star Wars freaks, okay? I'm a Star Wars freak. Riley's a Star Wars freak. Yeah. I mean, Star Wars is our thing. Like as much as we love the MCU. And I love Spider-Man. Spider-Man's my dude. And I love Superman. Superman's my dude. Like, they're not Star Wars to me. Right. You know? But but us as Star Wars fan, right now, you got to say that Star Wars is the third franchise right now. Yeah. Right? It's not – it's no longer 
the protector of the realm and the seven kingdoms or whatever the hell it is. It's actually just like the warden of the north. Yeah. Like we're just the warden of something because you have MCU, mm-hmm. right? Then um, you have Game of Thrones, right? Like people like – even though that's kind of going through its own little thing yeah. right now. DC's getting up there. Aquaman, $1 yeah. billion, dollars, man. I think Star Wars is still bigger. Like I agree. You I know? agree. But then you have Pokemon. Pokemon did Lingering well. in there, right? Um, well, I think we're every, everything's really based around Marvel right now because of what they did with Endgame and what it's doing in the theaters and – you know, but that's another podcast for another time. We are going to have to wrap this up right now because yeah, somebody it, said it here. Air, it, it, sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. Air Pokemon Naruto. Last thing here, he called it a Star Wars recession. It's it's interesting. Star Wars recession. I mean, look, if you like your Star Wars, you like your Star Wars. Like me, you know, it's like they're going to get it hopefully right for everybody. But here's the thing: I don't think even if Rise of Skywalker comes out and both of us love it. Oh. God, I started to oh, keep no, no, interrupting. You, dude, if you want Fernandez to stop interrupting me, put your <laughs> comments in here right now. I don't care. Go. What? Something that we've missed out on and people called us out last week. Yeah. And they were right to call us out. Oh, yeah. And I'm surprised no one's called us out this week, maybe because it's been so long already. Mm. Um, but at Rule of Two, we've talked a lot about it off the air. Mm-hmm. We haven't discussed it on the air. Mm-hmm. And people called us out for it, rightfully so. And we appreciate the honesty, but we haven't uh, given our respects on the show to Peter Mayhew. Oh, yeah. I know. We missed that. We missed it on live as well. And I I did share something on Twitter. um, But for that, for Peter Mayhew to – you can see it in the eyes. Yeah. You can see it in the eyes and you can see it in the motions. And to know Junis is a wonderful replacement who will never have that – Je ne sais quoi for me with Peter Mayhew and just watch the original Star Wars, A New Hope, and you can see why Mm. he became uh, like an icon in that role. The height, the motions, the eyes, everything that he did, it it was very sad when he passed. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Peter Mayhew did do Force Awakens. He did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he did. And, he did and, a few shots. Junis did come in to take over. He did take yeah, over. Yeah. But there was moments in Force Awakens, and I'm not sure who it was, if it was Peter Mayhew or not, but th- there was moments in there where I was like, wow, man, Chew- Chewbacca, like, like that's the that's – the, that's my Chewbacca, you know, yeah. like, like in the point where um, he's talking about Han and like he goes, you know, I don't know. Like there's, there's, there, there's a few – to your point, there's a few of those emotive things that come out of Force Awakens that really reminded me how special his performance was in the original trilogy. Um, and sure, you get him like in that one scene in um, in, Re- in Revenge of the Sith. But yeah. I mean, Chewbacca, it's like something that I'll never fully understand. You know, like like that that performance is is is, is very very special. I never met him, but I saw him once at a Star Wars celebration. I a did few, too. I never few, met yeah. him either. Um, um, I but, go. I go back to. Uh, I wrote an original monologue in high school, and I was basically the academy president trying to nominate Chewbacca for his performance in Empire Strikes Back. Mm. And there was some truth to that because watch the scene when he's when he's trying to put three PO together. It's great. And Bespin, absolutely great. And you can see some of the most beautiful acting. Um, you know, dialogue, 
acting is inhabiting a role, and he inhabited it. It was something beautiful. So rest in peace, Peter yeah. Mayhew. And I did give him my respects on social media. Yeah. You know, closer to the point where it happened. But I um, – I um, we didn't talk about it on the show. We got called out for it, rightfully so. We appreciate yep. that. Um, no talk about SC thirty eight. You know what? That's actually a good thing. We didn't talk about that. We both saw. It. We both loved it. I definitely tweeted out about it, and so did Riley. Maybe next week's show, um, if everything works the way that I want it to work, mm-hmm. there'll be somebody on the show who can actually speak to it in a much more intense way. Ooh, that's a good tease. Yeah. That's a good tease. So we're going to end it there. That is episode 40 of Rula 2. It's here on Collider Videos. It, uh, we're going live for now, 5 p.m. PST on Collider Videos YouTube channel. And we are on Jedi Council's Podcast One feed. You can get it there. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. You can find at Mark Fernandez there on Twitter, at Riley Around on Twitter as well. You guys are the best. That was a great time having you in the live chat, reading your thoughts. Thanks for tuning in. It's going to be a good one. We'll see you next week. Fernandez, you'll be back in two weeks, right? Two weeks. Two weeks. Enjoy your Sith business. And uh, why don't you leave them something before you go? Rise. The Medicare annual election period deadline is almost here. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who started their search for coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online, so he started at MyHealthPolicy.com. I took my time and found the coverage I was looking for, and done. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plans, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com and done. Switched to a better plan. And Michael. I met with a local licensed insurance agent face-to-face and done. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to compare top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically. Dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply.